Welcome to Ask Dr. Change. I'm Dr. Linda Ackerman Anderson. I'm happy to have you join me today to explore how to seriously uplevel your leadership and consulting to transformational changes, all through conscious change leadership. Welcome to today's episode. This is a special episode where I have the opportunity and honor to interview Rich Batchelor, who is the current president of the Association of Change Management Professionals. Let me read a little bit about Rich so you know who's going to be talking with you and sharing his wisdom. Rich Batchelor has been successfully delivering change for over 30 years across the globe. His passion for maximizing the benefits of change management is evident every time he engages others. He has a master's in change management and multiple other qualifications, adjunct and complementary to the change space. He currently runs his own consulting and learning practice, is a part-time professor and curator of the Toronto Change Days Conference. He thrives in navigating change, enabling, empowering, and guiding clients to realize the possibilities of change management to find their potential. After serving ACMP as a local chapter leader for many years, Rich joined the Global Board in 2021, and after serving as treasurer and vice president, is excited to be taking up the role of president in 2023. So Rich clearly has a long history in this field, and we're thrilled to talk with him today about what he sees currently and the future for the profession. Welcome, Rich. Happy to have you here. Absolutely. With me. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. You're currently right now in London, having just finished an ACMP conference. Tell us a moment about your day. Oh, it's been an amazing day. I get so much energy just being around other people in the change space. And we've had a fantastic day with so much focus on not just what has been happening in change, but what's potentially going to be happening in change as well. And I just, I, I get so excited doing these things. So it's been fantastic. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to ask you about that shortly. I want to start with how did you actually get into this field? How did it all begin for you? Gosh, well, it, well, it was a long time ago, as my bio says. It's over 30 years I've been doing this. Um, but, you know, I'm fortunate to do what I love and love what I do in this field. But I started off, I was working in the UK at that time uh, for local government. And some people might say the wrong place at the wrong time. I'd say the right place at the right time. I was working as a manager in an office for the government and they were going to close a number of offices and sort of, you know, solidify and bring them together into one place. And my office manager came up to me and said, you know, these people are not going to be too happy about this stuff, but people seem to quite like you. Can you go and make them happy about this? And that was really my induction to change management. No processes, no methods. It was go make people happy about something they weren't going to be happy about, which probably is a bit of the story ever since. But that's how I started off in that space and then really got traction from doing that work well and being successful and being given opportunities in so many ways to do these things going forward. So, um, yeah. That's really how I started off and worked my way through a career in government to begin with before running my own company. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. So for you now, from 30 years of experience, what does success look like in the change management space? Oh, that's a really good question because I don't think there's one definite definition I would put on success. But for me, a lot of the work I do with clients, particularly now, and have done internal clients in the past, etc., it's been really about what they need, not necessarily what I think they need. I think sometimes we can get too caught up in telling somebody what they need to experience from a change space. Yeah. And I, I really want to be able to go and say, well, well, let's sort of unpack what your needs are and work out how to align with that piece. Um, I always kind of go with a tagline of maximizing human potential, I suppose, because we do work in a space of humanity. You know, that's part of the space we work. And yeah. that's why I love doing it so much. So probably success for me would be realizing some potential from um, a group, an individual, an organization, whoever I'm working with at that point in time to to find out what first of all, what they need to change, what that change looks like from all sorts of pieces, and then work with them to actually not just make that change happen, but make that change happen with them as well as part of that equation. Beautiful. Well, say more to me about that, about change with them. Are you transferring your capability to your clients? Are you partnering? What does that mean to you? Sure. So I often use the word actually change enablement. Those are the words I tend to use a lot more because I like to position myself as enabling a client, customer, whoever it may be, to actually achieve their potential. So for me, it's about having that engagement piece. I think sometimes we can get forgetful that change management is not a transaction. Change management is far more than just a transactional activity. So for me, it's about making sure I have that engagement to truly understand what the need is. And then from that, we we focus on understanding what the client, the person, the individuals, the stakeholders, I suppose, if we want to get really into yeah. the, the change management language <clears throat> of this, what what is it that makes them tick? What is it that's going to help them understand the gain of going along this pathway? And then what can I do to help them navigate this? So I'm very much somebody who is focused on that knowledge transfer, knowledge enablement, um, supporting the, the group that I'm working with to be able to take things forward off their own steam after working with me, rather Beautiful. than being somebody who's just doing it for yeah. them. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. And I find that as a backbone of the best of us as change consultants is supporting our clients to do this work successfully long after we have left uh, their circumstances. That's great. Well, I do want to ask you your own thoughts and thoughts that have come out of this conference in London about the future of the change field. What do you see happening? Where are we going? What are we needing? So it, it's interesting because I think that the key piece that comes out of it is that this is only going to get bigger. I think that's that was the overarching piece. And I agree with that because I think historically there's been a lot of anchored activity in 
so we say technology implementations for change management, yeah. you know, and, and I totally understand that. But what we're recognizing now is that we're doing more and more work in cultural transformations, in organizational yes. opportunities, redesigning businesses, even down to, you know, health and well-being, diversity, equity and inclusion, this whole broader people-based area that we focus on. And, you know, what I personally think for myself, and then I'll add some notes from some of the conversations from today as well. So you get both sides of this piece. For me, what I'm noticing is that we are going to be doing a lot more uh, work with people beyond just learning how to do something differently, but learning how to be something different. And I, oh, I yes. that's... <laughs> that, that's yeah. that's what, the way I see it going, um, and it's fascinating yeah. because we have the the artificial intelligence, say, in technology, and that was some of the stuff that we talked about today coming up as some of the future and what does that mean? And you know, I, I go back, and you know, with no offense to yourself, you probably go back a few years as well to the times when yes. people were saying, "Oh, all this uh, all this IT is going to remove the need for all these jobs, and you know, we won't need people doing things anymore." And I kind of, it never really happened. It never really came to fruition. But what happened was that the jobs changed. We evolved. And I think that's what's going to be happening so that, you know, when I say about people being different, it's about that sort of behavioral, you know, what is you know maybe the difference between changing their outcomes versus their outputs that we've traditionally gone. So I think that's where I'm looking at the stuff. And a lot of the conversation we had today was highlighting the the use of artificial intelligence as one area to support this, but also recognizing that we're also having to reframe the work we do to be much more about supporting others' navigation of a change rather than taking away their ownership of the change and that we've maybe uh-huh. historically done and stuff like that. So I, I find yeah. this fascinating, this piece and everything. Absolutely. And it's very current. It's very important. High yeah. tech, high touch. Is it more important now, I think, than ever? So do you have um, any formulations, early formulations about how you in your work or ACMP are going to support the development of people from the inside out? You know, our work is about conscious change leadership and the conscious piece is all internal work. It's all mindset um, and and self-awareness and self-capability. How do you see serving that going forward? Yeah, sure. Well, I think there is an overlap in the way that ACMP as an organization is going forward because I see, you know, we've just started um, opening up work on the standard for change management that we were very proud to publish, but eight years ago. You know, times have changed in eight years. So as an association, we need to look at how we can change the way people use that and bring that into that much more behavioral based sort of supportive narrative that we need to be looking at and recognizing as well things like the, the new technologies, the new evolution in, you know, projects, directions and things that, you know, the agile word comes up and things like this very much in in these conversations. And I think for myself, in my own practice, the way I see 
this developing is much more around us, you know, enabling people to find solutions themselves. It, it's almost like a coaching practice in a way. It's yes, that sort of yes, piece yes, coming yes. in. And, you know, ACMP has done a lot of work with the International Coaching Federation over the, the last few years to kind of recognize that overlap of space. So maybe that's what what we're doing is we're supporting that transition to coaching people through the experience and helping them to find that what's best for them rather than coming in and trying to solutionize and fix things. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. The whole building the capability for self-awareness, um, for understanding the impact that someone has in their way of being, and it does it fit the needs of what they're attempting to support in the project. That's very exciting to hear that ACMP yeah. is going in that direction. Very exciting. So, you know, that leads me to also, you've begun in this direction, but what just first for leaders and then for consultants, what messages would you want them to hear? What tips, what strategies, what do you think they need to hear right now? First yeah, leaders. Yeah, I was going to say, let, let, me, let me take the leaders first, because I actually yes. feel that with leaders, we, we are very quick to criticize them but maybe we're not really supporting them in the first place to be in a position. So I do think as leaders and, you know, leaders of, in and with change, because I kind of capture all of that piece when I talk to this piece, we need to help them recognize their role in, you know, empowering and enabling the success to take place. It's yeah. not about command and control anymore. That, that ship yeah. has long sailed away. You can't yes. do that, you know, and, and recognizing the expectation of uh, younger generations in the workplace as well. And what that means as a leader, I think is really important. And, you know, we were talking today about recognizing how to be attractive to younger generations in this change management yes. space, because far too many of us have been doing this for far too long and we need to get yes. new blood into the space very, very soon. So I think that piece and, that's where leaders can play a part, not just in their role to whether you call it sponsorship or act with agency for the change or, you know, give that advocacy piece, which I think we need to sit down and spend time coaching them on what that means rather than trying to do, you know, template transformation or anything like that with them because that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think beyond that, we need to work with leaders to help them understand their role in supporting the knowledge increases that are needed within the teams they lead and recognizing that they themselves don't need to know everything. They just need to know <laughs> that it's there somewhere. Yes. Yes. And how to facilitate the conversation so it can be co-created, yeah. so it can emerge. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. How about um, leaders as models and champions of what they're asking of the organization? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, it's an interesting one because you actually just gave one of my trigger words as well, which is interesting because champions is a trigger word for me. Um, and I'll explain why that is, because yes, I love the, love, love the verb to champion a cause. But I get really prickly when people get labeled champions for change, because I always think that that identifies them as the winner. 
the kind of like the champion, ah. the winner of the change already. And we have so much of a battle between people feeling like they're losing something and ah, you know, gaining and all that sort of stuff. Yes, so yes, I, I'm always yes. very nervous about using that word, I think, in, yes, in the stuff yes, that I yes. do. But, uh, but I also recognize what, whatever word we're talking about people who, who play a part in, you know, advocating for the change, supporting it, talking yeah. about it, you know, labels are labels, whatever that sort of piece. Yeah, and I yeah think for that, sure. I think that they need skill sets that go beyond maybe what's traditionally been given to leaders because that, you know, you just mentioned about facilitation skills. Facilitation skills are very, very unique in themselves. And I think there is a very strong demand for them to learn that facilitation is not controlling or chairing a meeting. So yeah. understanding yeah. that difference piece coming into that and then being yeah. able to recognize learning opportunities within their team and not trying to fix the learning, but helping that individual to discover what they need to do to fix that learning because we all learn differently you know so I'm a very visual person don't give me lots and lots of text I switch off but other people love to read and read and read lots of text so what works for different people is going to be important on that stuff so I think adding those skill sets in there and then I think there is a a serious sort of deficit in leadership for compassion and caring and that sort of space as well and I use the word compassion versus empathy, even though I'd like to say empathy is something, but I yeah. almost feel that empathy is maybe the second level after they've discovered compassion. Maybe we shouldn't be rushing them to discover empathy straight away, but, you know, discover a bit of compassion first for their, you know, fellow workers and the people that they lead, et cetera, and everything like that. So once they have that built, then they can maybe discover what it means to be more empathic about the situations as well. Yeah, so, beautiful. You know, take them that beautiful. way. Yeah. yeah. Great, great points. I want to go back to your idea of facilitation, allowing a team to discover what it needs to um, to do. That is so true of leadership, is so true of uh, leading teams in, in a discovery process. It's also very true in the nature of the transformational changes we're now faced with. We don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. You can't come forward, as you say, in a command and control, do this because we're unclear. So the skill set becomes about learning to emerge, learning to discover, learning to shape, to facilitate what needs to come forward, what needs to be created. Um, so I love that because I think it's both at a high scale the strategy for the change field more and more is transformational as well as for leadership. That's great. Historically, that facilitation has been to try and find answers. Well, maybe we need yes. to find the questions first before we find the answers. Yeah, I and love sometimes it. that sometimes that's the challenge. Yes. Yes, asking the right question. And then, because we don't always have answers, learning how to keep a question open long enough for something to clarify for itself. So beautiful. That's great. How about um, tips and guidance for consultants? So I think in the consulting space, there's there's always been a little bit of a, a two-camp motto. And, and I, I'll explain what I mean by this. There's been those that do it for you and then those that help you to learn how to do it. 
And I think the second one is where I definitely sit. But I also think that's where more consultants need to sit because I think you do your clients a disservice if you just go along and do it for them because they'll never learn, you know, it's that sort of piece. So I think maybe it's a little bit of a a self-awareness piece that needs to be done for clients just, and, and that's for any sort of consulting engagement. I think in the change space, the key piece is also about not trying to take on too much in one go. Sometimes uh-huh. we think we can we, we can make everything happen for the client. And yeah. sometimes we can't. It's too much. And I think yeah. for consultants, I think we need to be a little bit more sensible because I'm hearing more and more about burnout and poor self-care and just exhaustion in the space yeah. of people doing 60, 70 hour weeks that are just not sustainable. And I think no. that's because we've overpromised what we can actually do. And it's not that we don't have the capability. I'm not saying that. It's just, do we have the time to be able to do that stuff that needs to happen? And sometimes, you know, that's where we need to maybe step back a little bit in terms of, you know, when we engage with an actual client, be real. Don't be, you know, misplaced optimism can be your worst enemy, should we say, on that front. So maybe just thinking about that stuff. And then I think from the actual doing the engagement piece, one thing that I think is very evident from my own experience over the last, you know, the the pandemic really highlighted this a lot more with people's sort of needs, should we say, coming through. But, you know, even before that, I was starting to see the need for a greater level of explanation in the communication rather than just doing communication that said, we've done this. We've done this. We've done this. It's like we've done this so that you can now do X or so that we can now work on Y together, whatever it may be that we're actually focusing on. And I think that for me is really important because that's part of reinforcing that enabling the the client to actually be able to take things forward. Um, that sort of, so I'm, I'm seeing that as well. And I do recommend that. And I've had some conversations with folks where I'm seeing that opportunity. And then I, I think maybe a final comment just for consultants is keep on, keep on, keep on learning. You can never <laughs> stop learning. Don't ever yes. fall into the trap of thinking you know it all because none of us do. We all need no. to keep on learning. So yes. keep that continuous <laughs> learning open. Yeah. Beautiful. So there's a lot for us as consultants, and I love your focus on the younger consultants bringing new energy into the field. I think that's that's really great. One of the challenges when you say we get too busy, and I sure did in my early days, uh, burnout was definitely on the you know tips of my fingers a lot. um, Is learning how to know what to prioritize. Like, what is important? What do I focus my attention on that has the highest leverage versus all of the things that are possibly needing attention? So I think that is a skill we consciously need to go after creating. And experience allows that, you know, so it does require time. But also mentorship, also guidance. So how do you see yourself and is there any strategy you see within ACMP or elsewhere about mentoring younger consultants to get as wise as they quickly can? 
Yeah, I'm so thrilled you mentioned that topic area because I, I, there's a multitude of pieces with that. So I actually love, you know, as we mentioned in my bio, I, I teach, uh, you know, and I love working with the, the younger folk then to help them understand a lot of what they've never even thought about before, which is kind of fascinating as well. But I do think we need to have these support mechanisms. And I know for many years myself, I've always offered myself up for mentorship and said, you know, every September-ish, I'll take on a couple of folks as mentors. And I know from an ACMP point of view, we've done this with a lot of chapters. There's been a number of chapters that have created mentorship schemes for those. And I've been involved uh-huh, with the local great. chapter that way, et cetera. Um, but we do have to balance the amount of effort that people can give to this stuff. Because, you know, as we were just talking about all those hours that the consultants are doing, if you add on some mentorship hours on top of that, will it be worthwhile? But I do yes. think there is some potential for mentorship overall. And I know that we are exploring whether we support chapters in the mentorship program, whether we do something globally on that front, or maybe it's a mix of that piece that we go forward with. But definitely, I think the the appetite is there from younger generations to learn from others, but also to be able to ask questions of people in a space that they don't really have that many people to ask the question of, because it's not like you get taught change management 101 in high school or anything like that. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, where do you go to find those answers and questions? So I think there's a lot of potential on that stuff. And, And I look back to my own experience, you know, I had some great mentors throughout my career and I've got some great colleagues now who started off as mentors that have supported me because I know I need support mechanisms in place. I am not somebody who, even with all my experience, can go it alone all the time. I need people to turn to when I need help and support and just Uh, somebody to give me that reality check sometimes. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, I'm very excited, not just about the wisdom you bring to this conversation for yourself and your work and your own consulting, but also for the profession to actively move in this direction. That's very exciting to me. It's all music to my ears. I know you've taken on the presidency of ACMP, and that's going to take a good deal of your time. How about what else is next for you? What's your learning edge? What new goals do you have for yourself? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I... I, I do this thing of saying yes to things and working out how I can find the time for it. But I've had to learn how to be a little bit more self-caring over the last few years. Um, but for me, there's a, a few things that I'm interested in personal professional development, should we say, which is yes. continuing to expand my understanding of um, equity, diversity and inclusion space, because I'm finding myself drawn more and more into that space in the change and the yes. cultural change stuff that I'm doing. So I think I, you know, I, I'm an advocate for that space, but I, I also want to learn more about that sort of space as well, personally. Um, but also from, you know, maybe a more sort of professional piece. I I want to be able to find a way of navigating those difficult questions that always seem to pop up because I run my own business, but I am also advocating for the profession as part of ACMP. And I don't want any sort of conflicts to come between those two pieces. So that for me is almost a little bit of a, 
I wouldn't say a challenge necessarily, but something I want to be mindful of and I want to be able to turn to others because, yes, I want to move the profession forward with both what I do professionally as a company, what I do as an educator, what I do for my conferences, when I speak, you know, all of that sort of piece, but also with my ACMP role. And, you know, the ACMP role as a president, it's still a volunteer role. You know, I don't get any income yes. for it or anything like that. Right, so, right, right. Um, right. You know, so I've still got to balance the number of hours that I give to all of these things. But I do think that's an important piece to navigate because I want to show that you can still be professionally successful while still finding the time to volunteer and support the professional development of the profession that we are privileged to be part of. So admirable of you. It's so admirable of you. I realize in listening to us, uh, to you speak today, that I'm automatically transferring the wisdom you've shared about for leaders, for consultants, automatically making the assumption, oh, good, you're going to uh, help enable that in, at ACMP. <laughs> and I understand there are distinctions there. And there's we could use our whole methodology just on evolving the profession itself. So I respect the delicate boundary that you've described about what you are able to do personally and then bring what wisdom you can to the profession I think that's marvelous and really honorable. Um, last thoughts, any other bits of wisdom you would like to share with our audience? So I suppose my final comments, and it kind of links in with a few of the pieces I've been talking about, but it, and it does go into ACMP, I suppose, overall with this piece, is that Having just mentioned about my continued growth in the equity, diversity, inclusion space and all of that stuff, also recognizing the global diversity of ACMP membership and developing ACMP not just as a North American anchor, but as yes. North America being the first step of many steps towards yes. maybe not quite global domination. Maybe that sounds a little bit evil and that sort of piece. But, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the global footprint that we need to recognize for um, yes. what we do as a profession. And I think, you know, I'm fascinated, you know, today's conference I was in in London, we had 16 different countries represented in that conference, which is fantastic. I'm fortunate yeah. to lead a board that is the most globally diverse board that we have. A little bit challenging for meetings and time zones, but I'm also thrilled that that brings so many insights from Europe, from Asia and beyond. It's just like that's fascinating for me. Yeah, fabulous. I will uh, share just a, a personal moment with you as you talk about going global. I um, In 2020, at the very beginning, I was asked to do a keynote at the Change Management Conference in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And it was right when the evidence of the war potentially happening was, you know, was emerging. And I had a number of conversations with uh, the woman who was leading it, Elena. And finally, I said to her, I can't imagine this happening. The war is at your doorstep. And then ultimately, I got a, a, a final email from her saying the conference was canceled. They were making Molotov cocktails and using their time that way. And that was the last I heard from Elena. And so my heart has been one with Ukraine, but also knowing that change management is around the world. 
So I think it's fabulous that you have a board that represents the global diversity and that that level of thinking and the distinctions, the uniquenesses of various countries and their level of development and needs is present in your conversation and your strategies. That's brilliant. Just brilliant. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Rich, this has been an honor. I truly have loved hearing what you're talking about. Again, music to my ears. It's great. And then knowing that you're at the helm of the association for for the change management profession is thrilling to me. So I want to thank you for your time and thank you for your wisdom and experience. I've enjoyed our conversation enormously. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Today's subject is one of the key topics that we feature in our Leading Transformational Change online program. If you'd like to learn more about Leading Transformational Change, go to beingfirst.com forward slash LTC. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you gained some valuable insights for your work. Please send me your questions and challenges by going to askdrchange.com.